My name is Jordan Massey. I'm one of the ministers here. And we're grateful that you're joining us today. You know, we're coming from the Massey apartment this morning. We call it the Massey Tower. I guess it's the North River Massey Tower community joining church. And we're grateful that you're, you're here with us. And I don't know if, if you're cleaning up your, your breakfast right now or if you're uh, locked and loaded or if you're wrestling down the kids. You know, Cam, our 18-month-old, is asleep right now. So hopefully he doesn't wake up while I'm recording this. But we're just grateful to be together. And, uh, you know, a little update from us. I got my first quarantine haircut uh, of, of the quarantine. And usually what's been happening is during all the Zoom calls, I'll just throw in a hat. But I couldn't do that for this. And, and then last week, I got a couple texts saying, hey, why were you so close to the camera? It's really because I was trying to cut off the top part of my hair. <laughs> so you could see how long it's got, but Toy and I ripped out the old clippers a couple days ago and went for it. Uh, you know, kids, you're allowed to make fun of your dad's quarantine haircut, just not your mom's, all right? But we're gonna dive in today. We're, of course, we're still focusing on uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's our theme for the whole year. And we're, and we're focusing on the Psalms here. We're gonna be in Psalm 62 today if you wanna go grab your Bibles. But uh, Tom started us off last week looking at Psalms 22, and it, it was so meaningful to look at a psalm that Jesus actually quoted, at least that we had recorded down that he quoted. But, you know, Jesus doesn't specifically quote Psalm 62 that we have recorded, but there's this idea that's been really inspiring me that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He definitely knew of all the psalms, if not had all of them memorized, and so we have a few that was recorded down that he said, but he probably grew up as a Jewish boy with Mary and Joseph singing these psalms at synagogue. He surely thought about them, meditated on them out when he was with God in the wilderness or in prayer, and for sure talked about different psalms with his apostles. And so even though we don't have Jesus specifically saying this, I could so see Jesus going to Psalm 62 and diving into it and digging into it. And so we're, we're going to jump on in, and uh, we're just going to look at a few of the verses today. So in Psalm 62 and verse 1, it says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And then down in verse 5, Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God because he is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. And I, I love this verse. And um, we're, we could spend our, our time today digging into, uh, you know, a deeper Bible study and, and specifically picking apart uh, the different pieces of this scripture. But for a limited time, we're not going to do that. But you can see here, take a screenshot of this, go back and look at it later. But what I want to do with our time is to, is to really share how this scripture has, what it's meant to me to make a connection to Jesus and then to, to see how it can apply it to yourself. And the reason we're looking at Psalm 62 is because it's my favorite psalm. And as we were talking with Tom and Jeff, and I was sharing this with them, 
Jeff was like, man, why don't you, you look at Psalm 62 and just talk about why it's meant so much to you. And so here we are. <laughs> but Psalm 62, so the last 18 months, I've literally read it every week, if sometimes every day, and then periods multiple times a day. Like I've looked at this Psalm hun- literally hundreds of times in the last 18 months. And it, the, the reason f- and why, like <laughs> why do I love it so much? And so I'm a, I'm a doer at heart. I, I love working. I'm a worker. I, I fill my schedule up with all kinds of things. I love knocking out to-do lists, tackling problems, taking the initiative, getting stuff done, making things happen. Like that, that's me. I love being busy. And like most of us, I fill my schedule up with, with working a lot and, and I love it. And of course, my trade, I'm a, I'm a minister. I, I wouldn't want to have any other job in the world. I get paid to be a disciple and to make disciples. It's amazing, but it's still my job. And so I do fill it up with a lot of different things. And on top of that, in 2019 was our first full year that we had Cam. He was born at the end of 2018. And so I'd, I'd do all, have all, my day would be full of appointments and study and preparation and, and all this kind of stuff. And then when I would come home, 2019, the house was busier than ever with taking care of our newborn and all the different responsibilities that come with that and lack of sleep that, that comes with that. Um, and so what can happen to me is that I get so busy that I lose the time and space to go deeper with God. And I just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And I, I end up living in the land of the shallow. And I've, I've kind of always noticed that about myself. But in 2019, I decided to, to really focus and to shift my focus just from what I'm doing with my time to who I'm becoming with my time. And because what I noticed over time was I would, I would be successful in the things that I was doing. And then it became very easy for me to put my security in my successes. And then because I was living in the land of the shallow and not going deep to God, that it, it's, I naturally make my work my rock. And I naturally can go to my achievements and my accomplishments to find rest for my soul instead of to God to find rest for my soul. So this scripture became my anchor. It became the thing that rooted me. It came the thing that said, no matter how busy I am or what all's going on and the successes and the achievements and all that stuff, it, it rooted me to no, 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 no. My soul doesn't find rest in all that. My soul finds rest in God alone. No, that stuff is in my rock. I'm not building my life off of those things and all my busyness and my work. I'm building life off of God. And so this became my anchor in, uh, in the last 18 months. So why have I taken five minutes to really to go through all that? One is because we're family and, and I want to be known by you and, and I want to know you guys. But two, it's because I bet I'm not alone. I bet that I'm not the only one that, that has a life of busyness and that can cause you to be shallow and to lead you to making your work or your busyness, your security and your rock over God. Because the truth is, is that we live in a culture that celebrates being busy. Think about whenever you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? What's the usual response? Isn't it, hey, I'm good, just busy. And, and busyness can be just so celebrated and so lifted up. And I, I've been reading this book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I strongly encourage you to get it. And uh, it's by John Mark Homer. 
And it's really put some like vernacular onto like how to explain these kind of things. And there's this one quote that I love from uh, his book. And Comer says, today you're far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible or a multi-day Netflix binge or a Saturday morning at the office again or another soccer game on a Sunday or commitment after commitment after commitment and a speed of life. Corey Tim Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the same exact effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and to even your own soul. Man, this quote is just so powerful. And I love this idea. I guess I hate it, but I love how true it is. That if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And man, for a lot of us that have matured and, and man, really fought for discipleship to push all that sin away, and we're all sinful people that are constantly striving to get closer to God. But at a certain point, a lot of the bigger sins are kind of out of our life. And then, and then Satan, I think, switched ploys. And he says, instead of trying to get you to have an affair, or instead of trying to get you to go, you know, curse or do different things that can seem whatever, like he, he fights to fill your life of busyness to crowd out God. And, and I want to do give, I do want to give a disclaimer, right? Is that, you know, some of you might be going, well, are you saying that it's, that being busy is wrong? No, no, not at all. Jesus was even busy. Jesus did a lot in his three years but the thing was, is that Jesus was never over busy. He never was overworked. He was never so busy that he lost the depth with God. And this overwork, this over busyness has actually been something that's talked about in a lot of secular articles and newspapers and different interviews. And some of them are really interesting. Here's one that, that I read uh, by Derek Thompson. And a quote from that says, there has been a shift in society where work used to be about making things, and now work is about making us. I think that's so real, that we can start to go to work for more than what it was supposed to be for. And the, the term that's been uh, categorized as that is workism. And what workism is, is when you make work your religion. Now, usually that's unconscious. You don't even realize you're doing that. Most of the time, you're still going to church. You still believe in God. You would still call yourself a Christian, a Christ in you, Christism, but you've, made, you've started to go to work for things that you should only go to God for. And there's this last quote that I wanted to read from Oren Cass. And he says, we've created the idea that the meaning of life should be found in work. And see, and you might go, man, well, what does this all have to do with Psalm 62? And I think that sums it up for us, is that when we start to go to work and to our busyness for things that we should only get from God, that's wrong. When we start to go to work to find rest for our souls, that's wrong. When we start to go to work to be our rock and to build our life off of the rock of work and off the rock of busyness, that's wrong. And it'll ultimately never give us peace and it'll never fill us. So that takes us to Jesus. Let's look at a story of Jesus in Mark chapter one. I'm going to flip over there. In Mark one, uh, we, we see an, an, an extremely long day of Jesus's ministry. 
And we see earlier in the day, he goes to the synagogue. Maybe he taught there. We see him casting out a demon. Then he goes to Peter's home. He cures his mother-in-law. And then we pick up in Mark 1 and verse 32. And it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This was a very busy day for Jesus. I mean, if you knew that this man was here that could, that could cure your friend's sickness or it could heal your relative, it doesn't matter if a, the whole town was there, you're going to wait to the ends of the night to get that cure. This would have been emotionally exhausting for Jesus. He would have been worn out. It was a very busy day. But I love what happens next. A lot of us know this passage. In verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Man, I love that about Jesus, that no matter how busy he was, his, he was never too busy to go deep with God. He was never too overworked. Even though he worked, he never was overworked to the point where he didn't have time to go deeper with God. And that was his route. Maybe he went to Psalm 62 and meditated on Psalm 62 during this time. We don't really know, but man, we knew that he was fighting to make God his rock. And then when, when his disciples, Jesus hadn't even come back yet. It says they went to find him. And when they found him, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. You got to come back. You know, nowadays that would have been, yo, CNN wants an interview. Like, hashtag Jesus is trending, man. You got to get back. People are trying to find you. And, and let's look what Jesus says. In Mark 1, 38, it says, Simon, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Man, this, this is incredible right here. You see, Jesus comes out and there's all this busyness around him, looking for him and pulling on him to, to fill up his schedule all over again. And not that he says, no, I don't need to work. He actually goes to different towns. But you see, it's from a place of depth. He comes out with his identity secure. That is why I have come. See, when he went to go pray, he reestablished his life on the rock of God. He reestablished that he's trusting God. He really established that his, his soul finds rest in God. And so when he comes back into the world of work, he comes with this identity, with this purpose set in stone and in God. And he didn't let the people around him control him, but he let God control him. You know, I put it like this. That instead of letting outside noise control what happens inside, Jesus let inside noise control his response to the outside. So instead of letting the demands of work, the busyness of life control what was happening inside of Jesus, he came out resolute and close to God and that controlled his response to what was going on around him. Man, I, I love that about Jesus because this is so hard for me. And I think this is especially good for us to talk about during these times, during quarantine, because the reality is, is that a lot of the things that we have taken our security in and that we can go to to make our rock to find rest in has been ripped away from us. And some of those things are more intense than others. Um, you know, the hardest is for a lot of us, we've gotten pay cuts. 
That's very difficult. And there's a reality that some of us have lost our jobs. And, and I'm so sorry if you've lost your jobs. I, I can't imagine the anxiety and the fear and just how scary it must be to try to figure out how to pay rent and try to figure out how to take care of your family and to pay the bills. And I, but I do wanna encourage you, God can take care of you. God, God can be there for you through this time. He'll pull you through. And then there's those of us that have gone through things that aren't as intense, maybe like for us extroverts, right? And it's still kind of hard for us because we're used to finding rest in relationships and, and finding rest in, in building our rock and building our life off of social interactions. And yet that's kind of been taken away from us. And yet again, we can evaluate, okay, what is God trying to show me now? Now I want to encourage all you guys to ask yourselves that. What is God trying to show me during this time? And what is he trying to bring out in me? What is he trying to show me? How is he trying to show me how to build my rock of my life on him instead of on other things? I think it's good for us to all evaluate who is your rock. And I hope the first thing you think of isn't this guy. <laughs> but it's something so much more, right? That we can really go deeper and say, man, is God truly my rock? Or am I building my life on something else? And so there's this analogy that I love that I think is so good during this time. And it's this idea that all of us are finite. We're all measurable. That, you know, so for me, I'm seven, eight. I'm, I'm five, eight, right? And I'm 160 pounds. And so I'm measurable. Like I, I have a weight, I have a height. But inside every human and inside of me is something immeasurable. And that's my soul. It doesn't have a weight, it doesn't have a height, it's immeasurable. And yet we can so often try to fill our immeasurable soul with finite things. And so we take money and we try to build our life off of money. And yet we never seem to have enough money to fill up our soul because it's measurable. Or, or we go to work in a position or accolades or an accomplishment that doesn't seem to fill even a relationship. A measurable person cannot fill your immeasurable soul. Enter God right? God doesn't have a weight. God doesn't have a height. You can't measure God. So God's immeasurable, God is immeasurable and he can fill your immeasurable soul. The only thing that can fill your immeasurable soul is an immeasurable God. See guys, the only thing that your soul can truly find rest in is God. The only safe bet to build your life on is the rock of God. The only refuge that will always be there for you is the refuge of God. And this can sound so great to us, but how do we get there? So for our, our little bit of time we have left, I want to talk about a couple practicals, okay? And it's really one big thing, and it can be called silence and solitude. So let's go back to Psalm 62. And, uh, you know, we can read verse 7 and 8 again. David says, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So there seems to be a connection here between making God your rock, trusting God, and pouring out your heart to God. Now, if you're like me, I usually have no idea what's going on in my heart. Like, I'm not naturally connected. And 
it, that's already hard enough for me. But when I'm filled with busyness and I don't have a place to get away from the silence and solitude into silence and solitude, it's literally impossible for me to figure out what's going on in my heart and to pour out my heart. So how did Jesus do that? Well, going back to Mark 1, right? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, but check where he went to. And he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Why solitary? Because Jesus knew he needed to be alone. He needed to get to away from all the other voices. He needed to cancel out all the other noise so that he could really hear what was going on inside and then also to really strive to hear God. So he went to a place that was quiet, a place where he was alone. And I know as I'm saying this, some of you guys are going, Jordan, but I'm trapped inside my house with my little kids. I can't even listen to this lesson right now. And hey, I get it. We have an 18-month-old at home, and I do think we're blessed with his sleep schedule. But I think some of us need to go, hey, let's take a page out of Jesus' book. Maybe we need to get up at 5 or at 6, you know, early in the morning while it's still dark to get away, to find a place of solitude. Why? Because it's worth it. You, you will feel so much better the rest of the day if you heard the voice of God in the morning. And so when you're there during those times, during the silence, during the solitude, what do you do? And there's no real magic sauce to it, but I'll give you two tips from me that I've noticed. And one is to find a dominant spiritual thought in scripture. And what that means is you find a scripture that speaks to you. Like for me, when I first read Psalm 62, I was like, whoa. Not that I was life-changing immediately, but it just kind of spoke to me. It gave me life. It, 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 it used words that I connected with. And so I went to it again and again and again and again and again and again. And over time, it became a dominant thought in my mind. And I, I poured all this spiritual energy into it so that when I have a really busy day and I only have five minutes to, to look at a scripture and I go to this and I read this and then it becomes just a giant, a giant breather for my soul because it speaks to me like this reservoir of scripture the time I poured into it just gets poured out into my soul. But then the second thing is that I would encourage you to don't hide from going deep with just reading. Now, what do I mean by that? Like reading the scriptures is amazing. If you're not reading every day, get in your Bible every day. But so often we can hide, it's because it takes emotional work to dig through our hearts. It takes emotional energy to dig through to figure out, well, how am I actually doing with God? And we can just zone out when we're reading. And man, I love reading scripture, but if I go too long zoning out by just reading, my heart gets funky. And so I've had to learn to journal, to not just read, but take time with specific prayer. And if I'm honest, when I was back in college as a young Christian, I thought journaling was for women. Like I, I really did this confession. And I've since learned, you know, a long time ago, no, there's strength in journaling. There's, there's courage. Found. It takes courage to figure out what's going on in your heart and to work it through with God. And it, but it takes the emotional intentionality and the emotional energy to sit down with a piece of paper and to write out and to pray with God what's really going on in your heart. That's where when you have a scripture you love, it's dominant for you. And then you journal it out to really dig it down deep into your heart. Man, that's where true strength comes from. That's where you truly find you know, strength in the rock of God. And so as I pray for communion here, 
Um, I want to encourage you to, you know, whether personally or when you're taking communion with your roommates or with your family, to talk about how God can be your rock and talk about how you can go to God to find rest for your souls. Let's pray for communion. Father God, we just lift you up, God. We're so grateful we have you to run to, that you can be a rock for us, God, that we can trust that our souls can find rest in you. And God, I pray during this quarantine time when so much has been ripped away from us, that we can really see what you're trying to teach us during this time and that we can run to you for refuge and we can trust you at all times. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.